up until college, like so 22 years of like school in a way. And none of that is you applying anything to the real world. It's just here's a paper that has, I don't know, the times table on it. Learn it and try to spew it out when you're making a rocket ship somehow. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. Welcome to Learning Unboxed. I'm very excited today to have three amazing young women uh, as my guests. Um, all three of these ladies are with us from Metro Early College High School. They are current participants in a very applied integrated STEM program that we've talked about frequently um, in the first batch uh, of shows here. Past Foundation actually lives um, and breathes um, with these folks uh, because Metro Early College is um, our school in residence partner at the Past Innovation Lab. So we have a very uh, special and unique relationship with these kiddos because, quite frankly, we've got to see them grow up. So I'm thrilled today to introduce you all to Fatima Benazar, a 17-year-old <laughs> senior from Metro Early College uh, whose interest is in engineering, um, is the project manager for for the MetroBots uh, first FRC team that we've talked about before, and who's very, very excited about uh, systems engineering, as it turns out, and a really wonderful kiddo. Um, joining her is Melissa Olvera, who also is senior at Metro and is the administrative project manager for the MetroBots. Uh, both Fatima and Melissa are legacy kiddos, which means they had siblings that have gone through uh, the programs that we've been collectively talking about as well. And then also with us today is Elizabeth Drake, who's a junior um, at the same school, um, interested in mechanical um, integration and engineering, um, also uh, deeply passionate about everything that has to do with space. And together, collectively, these three ladies represent um, kids from a variety of backgrounds, experiences, opportunities, and passions. So it is with great pleasure uh, to talk with you all today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. So um, I want to uh, start our conversation today to sort of uh, some context for our listeners. The majority of you, I've had the opportunity to get to know you at least um, since you were a freshman, maybe even a little bit before that. Um, and so we've got to spend a lot of time together over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I love about my day-to-day experience and the times that I get to, to spend with all of you, the Past Foundation, is the fact that I actually get to watch you guys learn and grow. And that's been probably one of the single most rewarding experiences that, um, that I've had. And I do talk about you guys a lot out in the world. <laughs> as um, this great, amazing group of girls that are kind of rock stars. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, uh, smiling. Yeah, so, so part of the program is how much can we, uh, can we, can we, can we embarrass you guys. But, <laughs> but the truth of the matter 
is. Um, we are awed on a daily basis at the foundation, and everybody who comes in and around this program needs to understand that that you are part of our school and residence program, and as such, it means you're here an awful lot, doing a lots lot. and lots yeah. of different <laughs> things. And so, um, let's talk a little bit, um, Elizabeth. Let's let's start with you, okay. if we could. So, tell me. Why you chose to go to uh, an alternative school sort of program rather than stay in your traditional district um, in a traditional school? What was the one thing that said, hey, I want to go and do the STEM school instead? Okay, so I came to Metro in sixth grade. And before that, I was at a uh, private Catholic school. And I think my parents recognized that at school I struggled, but at home I was, you know, expressing lots of interest in science and STEM type of things, but that wasn't reflected in my grades. So they saw that something wasn't right. I wasn't happy at school. So they started looking around and they came up with this concept of, or they saw Metro and I wasn't for sure just because I didn't want to leave my school. And then I met someone at the local library and they were talking about how much they liked Metro. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was willing to try something new because I was struggling at school and I knew I shouldn't be. So I got to Metro and everything changed. I, who I was at home, I could be at school and all these roads opened up that things I didn't realize I would have been interested in. I realized I could like go look at engineering, look at genetics, all these things. So it was just a really game-changing opportunity for me. And you're the first in your family to to Yeah, to my sister's school. my sister is at Metro now. Is but she's younger. Yeah, she is in eighth grade right now. But that's not the case for the two of you, right? So no. you are both of you, um, Melissa and Fatima, are um, legacies, uh, so to speak, in that sense, right? Um, which is not uncommon in a lot of uh, new school startup settings trying to, um, you know, have families participate uh, mm-hmm. in multiple generations. So Fatima, what? Other than the fact that you knew about it because you had siblings um, who had already participated mm-hmm. in the program, um, at the end of the day, though, what's truly the appeal? I was actually homeschooled up until third grade, and from then on, I went into, uh, like, my middle school, my sixth grade year, I went into a charter school, and so I really never had the experience of, like, a regular school, and Metro was just appealing because, not just because my brothers and my sister went there, but this idea that I get to kind of create my own path into my future. And like the only reason I'm now interested in engineering was because of a class that I took at Metro. There was, I was never exposed to engineering before that. Like my dad's a computer scientist, but there was never that appeal because he would just tell me that he codes and I'm like coding, like, "Eh, okay. (laughs) But that class really gave me that, like it immersed me into the world of engineering. And like, that's how, that's what really kickstarted my interests into it, so. Just the difference of how like things are taught. That's what Metro really and exposure. Appeals. So for you, exposure because you entirely. never even contemplated, hey, I might want to do this thing, and not until you all. had the chance to actually not just try it but live it, because you were immersed exactly. in it. Exactly. We're going to talk about that again in a minute. Okay, Melissa, same for you. So you're you're a legacy kid into the program, but really, why 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 opt in? So for me, I was always like good at school I guess I was always like taking advanced Mm -hmm. classes so going to like I guess a normal like middle school I came from the Columbus City School District so everything kind of was slower paced so then when my brother was taking like calculus as a junior I was like oh I want to do that but like I want to do it better (laughs) or like 
if he was doing robotics while I, like he was a junior i was in eighth grade and i would like wear metrobot t-shirts and go to school and people are like oh what's metrobots i'm like oh they make robots like i'm gonna do that next year when i go to metro so it was like him doing that like kind of got me into it and i was like i want to have that experience that he's having because it's so like fast-paced and so much different than like the school i was at it was a different it was like a change of pace that i like kind of needed to like grow further as a person so just for our listeners um if it, it, especially if you didn't listen to one of the previous episodes so metro um stem uh is also an early college uh, metro early college high school and um through that experience um the students have the opportunity to taste to try um advanced coursework or an accelerated coursework program i'm be really really mindful though to say that the expectation isn't that every kid who shows up is like melissa who says hey i want to take calculus yesterday <laughs> the the expectation is actually that this type of learning environment fits all kids from all backgrounds experiences and and gives them the opportunity if they're behind to catch mm-hmm. up if you're on pace to stay on pace if you need to accelerate because that's your personality or your temperament miss type a yeah. um, that you have <laughs> the ability to do that in an environment that's kind of all inclusive so just very briefly melissa so let's go circle back and let you go first this time so when you think about the what was required of you to be ready to um, to take on the the acceleration piece, we hear all the time that's really really hard to do. We don't know that, that that's good for all kids. How do we really differentiate to make sure that you're actually going to be ready to do that? Talk to me a little bit about how you feel like or the things that you had to have to be ready to do that. So. The things that I had to have was more than just grades, you know, like kind of like how Metro does it where you do a gateway and then you like are able to take college classes. It was to have like the kind of work ethic to actually be able to do like the accelerated thing. So it's not just like doing your homework every day. It's like doing your homework and like mastering it and like understanding what you do and like having good, I guess, study habits to go into accelerated courses and not just like trying to fake it till you make it through like mm-hmm. metro classes just to get to like the college level if that makes sense fake it till you make it that's a thing oh yeah, yeah. everyone does it do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right so liz so would you say the same is is true for you your path's a little different and so so what, what would you say for you was the thing that made sure that you felt like you were ready yeah so coming into metro i wanted to be like quote unquote smart, but I didn't necessarily have the transcript to back that up. I'm dyslexic, so I really struggled learning to read and write at my um, elementary school. So my parents said to me, you know, Elizabeth, you'll be able to take science classes that are accelerated because that's good at, but Metro will also let you take maybe longer English classes or retake a few English classes. So they gave me that cushion of I would not necessarily be taking seventh grade classes. I would be taking wherever I needed to be. And then it's one of those things I always say to people who are touring Metro, you need to try it because it's not for everybody. But if you want to do it and you're willing to, you know, put in some nights where you're upset and you're struggling, you can get through it. So it's that will to strive and understanding that you might be uncomfortable at times, but that's okay because, you know, you see your future ahead of you. So you have to be able to keep the end goal in mind when you're up late and you're stressed and you're beating up on yourself. Yeah, good good advice. What about you for Fatima? 
I, I've learned that, so going off of what uh, Liz said, the idea that like you're staying up late and that willpower to keep going, mm-hmm. for me, that I, I spent my first year at Metro just, just beyond stress because I didn't, I just wasn't able to transition into what this new school was, this like applied STEM. And so that took me half of the year to get used to it. And then I gained the study habits, the time management, and the support from not only my family, but from teachers and my advisors. And that really, that was like the clicking point, I guess, Mm -hmm. where I realized like, this is how I will be able to accelerate through school. And also, there is no like, this is a seventh grade class, like Liz said, Mm -hmm. and this is an eighth grade class. It's, this is algebra one, and this is pre-calculus, and this is trig. It's not, you're you're in ninth grade, you're supposed to be here, and you're supposed to be here. Our classes are mixed. Like, I've had, as a freshman, I've had classes with seniors, and that was, like, awkward for me at first, because, like, whoa, you're, like, three years older than me. What are we doing here? Mm -hmm. But afterwards, I realized we're all on the same level, and we all Mm -hmm. have the same work ethics. So So it really is a different way to think about a school environment when you say Mm -hmm. that those sort of arbitrary boxes or buckets, right, largely that have been imposed from well over 100 years ago about thinking in terms of, you know, as a freshman, as, you know, this age, these Mm -hmm. are the core group of things that you you are going to take. And so, um, but it it requires that folks think about readiness very, very differently. Um, And I'm intrigued about Mm -hmm. one of the things, for example, Liz, that you you said, um, you know, that you had feedback early on, hey, you can take advanced science classes, um, but you could be in this regular Mm -hmm. English class over here. And and but lots of places don't make that easy to yeah. do. I really needed that. I would be so uncomfortable if I didn't have that because I'd be in a boring science class, but I'd be struggling in English, and like that's just not a happy situation to be in. Yeah, and I, I but again, I do think mm-hmm. that that's that's something that lots of um, in school environments um, struggle with how how best to do that. So um, it, that's a great advantage to be able to be immersed in that. How does Going through, sorting out the process, getting comfortable, because at the end of the day, I think all of you have sort of uh, stressed, you you somehow mm-hmm. gotten yourself comfortable in your own skin, so mm-hmm. to speak, um, after a little bit of time and transition. So I want to really get into sort of the meat of what I think the experience is, and that is um, all of the hands-on, the applied, the, you know, putting it into some kind of real-world context. So there are a variety of different ways um, that schools approach this. Um, we talk about STEM schools, applied schools, hands-on, problem-based. It, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of words, basically, to describe that we're going to uh, immerse what you're doing in some real-world opportunity. So talk to me a little bit about some of the, the projects that you worked on that you think sort of help you build the contextual pieces. Fatima. Okay. <laughs> I would probably go straight to design challenges that we have every mm-hmm. year at uh, the Metro School. So it's um, it's kind of in its name. It gives us an issue that the like our current society faces. So um, two, two, three years ago was infant mortality, um, and then it was the opioid crisis. And those really got us to think, and we had to come up with a solution. And so... You, I mean, as a high school student, you're thinking, how can I affect the opioid crisis and, like, how can I help that? But using, like, the tools 
and the resources we got, we a lot of kids came up with great ideas, mm-hmm. and we they really did. They, yeah, They're some amazing. Some mm-hmm, of them, yeah. Some came up with like the idea of a pill bottle that would open only when like needed, when the dose was the like, right had, time, the right time the right that right it had time, to regularly right. be given. Personally, I, we created like we went into more of pol- like political things, mm-hmm. and so we wanted a like a three day prescription refill type thing, and we got to actually go present it at, over at Battelle. And we had to present it to, like, Mike DeWine, mm-hmm. a couple of others, like, political... Mm-hmm. Ohio like, political folks. Yeah, Ohio political mm-hmm. folks, yeah. yeah so that was fun. <laughs> and, and you learned a lot from that experience. Oh, so much. I didn't recognize that the opioid crisis was a crisis until we were told it was. And so yeah. that made me realize that we're living in a world where, it's like, things need to be improved. And so being able to really see that real-world issues mm-hmm. was really, like, eye-opening for I think all of us really. Yeah, yeah. Melissa, you want you want to build on that with a with an experience for you that was was powerful. Yeah, so I was thinking the same thing about the Metro <laughs> Schools Design Challenges because that was the first time for me that I saw that like STEM could be applied to the real world. Before it was like, oh, you do like your science, your math classes, and then that was like you bring in the outside world and connect it to what you're learning into school and you do something with it. So that was the first time that like I was thinking outside the box with like things like in the political science world, but also in like making tangible like products that would help the crisis. And like, like I was saying, that was the first time that I realized that I can use STEM and what I'm learning in school, like for something outside and like that's actually affecting the community. So even in a STEM school, right, you struggled to figure out the real world corrections until you actually translated that experience through the context of a design challenge. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah. Awesome. She said it. <laughs> she said it. <laughs> Pretty much. And then the reason I, I the reason I'm stressing that, right, is because over and over and over again, as schools think about how we start to transition into this, you know, everybody agrees we want really engaged kids. And and I think you're hard pressed to find folks that say that kids can't do an amazing mm-hmm. array of things, right? Um, because it's just uh, endless. Um, but we do struggle with how do we meet the needs of broad population state and federal standards and family and community expectations and keep it all real it's a lot of stuff to juggle right and one of the things that i spend a lot of time talking about is stop trying to juggle so much and just make it real and see what happens Mm-hmm. Sorry, I have, I have thoughts on what you're saying. Yeah. So <laughs> um, usually, 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 when someone says hands-on, you kind of think of like maybe a chemistry lab. But the issue with that is everything's all set up. Like you're going to be using chemical A and chemical B, and you're going to be using these tools, and this is what you're going to do, and it's literally written down. And that's worked for so long because that's easy to replicate, right? One teacher can make that, and then you can pass that on for the next 20 years because chemistry doesn't change. (laughs) But with getting kids real hands-on experience and actually making them learn how to use their STEM skills in the real world, you kind of have to have nothing on your sheet of paper for your lesson plan. Mm -hmm. You just have to – it's a lack of walls and kind of seeing the look on their faces when they're like, wait, I'm really not for sure what we're supposed to be doing with this. And the answer is – what you want. Mm -hmm. So when we started doing design challenges, sometimes I would get frustrated because I never encountered an academic situation where there were very minimal guidelines. I was like, so you mean the entire opioid crisis? Like anything? (laughs) Like really anything? That's a big thing. And I just got the guidance. 
focus on something, but within that realm, you can do whatever you want. So it's that being a little bit uncomfortable with how many options you have and then learning to work with that uncomfortableness. Because in the real world, you know, you don't sit down to solve a problem with the tools that you're going to need, like put in front of you and a procedure sheet on your like, yeah, next to you. So, well, why do you, why do you think that we, we wait around for that? Why, why do you think, I mean, you're, you're sitting in the middle of this right now and you guys are actually, um, because this, the particular school you're at, also early colleges, you're, you are moving into the next phase a, a bit, a step ahead, right? And so given that, why, why do you think? So you're, you're living in that transition every single day because you're transitioning on an ongoing basis, unlike in a traditional setting where it might be a break at middle school, a break at high school, a break at college, or a break at career, right? You, it's, it's a little um, more seamless for you guys. So why, why, do, why do you think, you know, as, as Liz pointed out, it is easier to teach that way, but it's also scary, what do you think the implications so of that are, are? Are are you saying the implications of like the factory based education system that we've been going with for the past few hundred years? Is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah, a little bit. I'm really thinking more about the fact that you know, as as we think about um, going going into the world of work and transitioning mm-hmm. or translating that actually back into the classroom as a mechanism to help prepare folks for that world of work. One thing, so uh, kind of like a metaphor in a way, is like regular schools, they give you the resources and tools and kind of like they give you a screwdriver, but they don't give you the drill to make the work easier and like make you, I don't like give you better resources, mm-hmm. right? But in a way, this like applied STEM and the real world application gives you the drill rather than just the screwdriver that you have to manually do yourself because those applied, the applied like the real world application of everything creates that seamless transition like you're talking about. I mean, as like students, we're, we're in school like for most of our lives mm-hmm. up until college, like so 22 years of like school in a way. And none of that is you applying anything to the real world. It's just here's a paper that has, I don't know, the times table on it. Learn it and mm-hmm. just try to spew it out when you're making a rocket ship somehow. But the applied science gives you that to apply what those times tables into making not a rocket sure but making a little like robot car or just in any way applying it creates that connection between what you've learned in the classroom in that boring class where you were like fine I'll learn how what two times two is but now applying that you're like wow I'm going to now sit through my Mm -hmm. classes to understand how I can apply that to the real world Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense but yeah, it seems like a bit, kind of a crazy sort of way to think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about the robotics piece. Oh, um, yeah, because <laughs> I know that's what we're waiting for. Because <laughs> you guys all all love mm-hmm. it, but I also want to be really mindful for for our listeners of a couple of things. The first mm-hmm. one is that not everybody has the opportunity to just sort of blow up what they're doing and start something new as it relates to teaching and learning. So we have to do a lot of adapting and transforming within a traditional setting. All of which I would argue is 100% doable, and you um, mm-hmm. are, are 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 examples of that because everything you've talked about is possible inside of what already exists, right? Mm-hmm. If it's just applied a little bit differently, and I think that robotics is uh, almost the epitome of that in many ways. Having watched you guys over so many years, mm-hmm. really uh, think about what that program offers, but. 
Um, is it really for all kids, all yes. interests? And tell me why, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, so... I, before I came to Metro, I wanted to be a music major. I went to go to school. I wanted to go to school for music, which, like, it's crazy because now I don't. I'm, like, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. <laughs> I didn't I wanna, know that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to go into industrial design. And, it, like, coming to robotics, I never went into the engineering side. And I was always doing, like, the media, like, the fundraising, everything that, like, wasn't building robots. Mm -hmm. And then my sophomore year, I had that one interaction where me and one of the seniors who graduated last year from Metro Schools, we were making um, something for our pit space. It was, like, one of the workbenches. And she told me to cat it. So I was catting it on, like, Onshape, which is, like, a really simple CAD software. And that was, like, the first thing that got me into it. I was like, wow, I really like catting, like, after doing that. And then I was like, let me try to do more of this, like, cat thing and then I was like oh this CAD like makes you create products and then you can design those products and make it look the way you want and that's what sparked my interest in engineering and like doing things like industrial design and I was like I don't need music like I can do music on the side and then like have a like follow my true passion of like Mm -hmm. creating like tangible things that like came from like my mind and that like I'm like making that product and did like doing every step of the design process if that makes sense you can just make the musical instruments yeah I'll, I'll make the music like the what i used to make the music rather than well you tapped into the it. same side of your brain so clearly your your passions lean that way but you found a way to apply that previous experience to that new one and more importantly to, to take that new experience and turn it into something you never even imagined so yeah. that's pretty darn awesome <laughs> yeah um what about for you liz So I have always been interested in space. Like, I loved that growing up, still love that. I'm wearing an ass hoodie right now. So the engineering, that wasn't a big jump for me. But when I talk about what I learned from robotics, I rarely mention the actual engineering techniques that I've learned. Um, I bring up all the things that... I've learned that I think I will need to be a successful person that wasn't taught in schools. So I know people always say time management, but when you have six weeks to build a robot, you really learn how to manage your time. And then also just being comfortable with myself and learning how to interact in that kind of like semi-professional environment and just where I'm comfortable stuff. Sorry, this is lots of open-ended stuff, but we are all friends on the robotics team, but we also have a leadership structure that we need to follow. So I deal a lot with realizing that Fatima is the engineering project manager, so she's above me, but she's also my friend. So sometimes I'm like, is she mad at me because of the schedule or is she mad at me because it's something (laughs) that I did as a friend? And I know that doesn't um, seem like it's related to education, but these are things that you experience in the workforce that you, if you can figure out how you're comfortable dealing with those situations and who you are as a person when you're younger, your style, that really translates, help, you know, helps you move into that. That was... It's all good. Yeah. So, so Fatima, talk a little bit about your experience um, with the robotics team and how that sort of for you translates. I, yeah, I would say the same as Liz again. I wouldn't, when I'm talking about robotics, I don't talk about the engineering concepts. I mentioned that, yes, we have only six weeks to build a robot and, like, just our bare hands, not very bare hands, but, like, with some <laughs> yeah. tools and our, our ideas. Yeah. And that's it. And, but really what I talk about is who I've, like, be- developed into and become because it, it's, I mean, I'm run like, helping run an entire team and I never would have imagined that, like, as a student myself doing that. But really just the interpersonal skills that you 
work that you learn and our coach Dr. V always says we're teaching you the soft skills and that's yeah. so true and I, and soft skills is like oh so they're soft skills but <laughs> but no those are the skills that you need for your future for your workforce to interact with people and when we say robotics it's like oh a bunch of like nerds building a robot but really it's not it's becoming developing into the people that like the next generation of the workforce really and so all those skills the soft skills that you learn is why i love robotics yeah absolutely and um for our listeners dr b is actually andrew bruning um oh, yeah. who was yeah. a, a previous episode again um when we were actually introducing the first robotics program so if you want some more details about the ins and outs of how the program works feel free to uh just jump back uh, and have a listen so I want to um, sort of follow this with a piece that Liz mentioned about, hey, I'm not sure if Atima is upset with me, <laughs> right? Because that gets... Okay, that's good. That was good. I wasn't for sure if that was on the right topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so really where I'm going with, with that, though, is actually that not only has this collectively been an experience for all of you to learn, but it has actually been an experience for all of you to lead, Yes. Right. And so as girls who lead, as mm -hmm. students who lead, as young folks who are going to become that next generation of citizens of our country, of our world, um, the stewards, let's let's talk a little bit about the different ways um, that in creative environments you can learn to lead or have the opportunity to lead. So first and foremost, the program scaffolds you guys um, all to be able to do that. But but there have been other opportunities that you've had as it relates to leading um, through your journey. So share um, a few of those opportunities with us. You want to jump in, Melissa? A few opportunities to lead. That's a Yeah. So how do you think about that? <laughs> how do you think about leading and your experience leading? And somebody else jump in if you want to. Yeah. So I think my leadership experience, kind of like what Fatima was saying, like has shaped me into like a different person who like I never thought I could be because I used to be really shy and now like I'm super outgoing like like to do stuff like this and like like to talk to people and I did not like that like four years I back. Re I remember the, the, yeah. the, the, the Melissa coming um, to the Innovation Lab the first time. Both yeah. of us just wouldn't yeah. talk I know. Like, at all yeah. and yeah. now we're here doing this. Right and now like I like doing things like this like I would have never imagined myself wanting to do that so like that leadership experience like brought me out of my comfort zone and it makes me comfortable now like in whatever situation I am to go talk to someone and like share my experience or just like have a conversation with them because now I'm like oh if I can lead a team of 60 people like I can talk to this random person and like be okay with it mm -hmm. yeah that, that's awesome okay so um as a young woman and hoping to be a woman in step one day I you know, you always read reports about there aren't that many women in STEM and in leadership roles, there aren't that many either. And they always talk about kind of will like they be respected, being bossed around. And I never thought that that was something that I would struggle with because I've kind of been pretty outgoing. But through this past year, I've struggled with lots of self-confidence issues when it comes to that. And it's really been nobody's fault but mine. But I think it's really important that I'm learning how to deal with that now. So, you know, in 10 years, I can walk into my you know new engineering job and not feel threatened by anyone because I'm secure in who I am. And then if I'm secure with who I am, I can lead and I can relate to other people struggling with that. So it's becoming more comfortable kind of leading from behind and feeling confident in who you are. So you don't need that encouragement. And then you can, you know, mm -hmm. turn that into encouraging 
your team, and just keeping an eye out for everybody else. Once you've experienced those things, you kind of know, hey, maybe, I don't know, let's say Sophia is struggling with that a little bit and going to talk to her. And also, okay, sorry. Um, I had a conversation with some of the younger girls on the robotics team the other day. Had nothing to do with robotics, but I felt like I was just kind of coaching them through that transition from middle school to high school. And that created such a tight connection that I realized us working in the shop the next few weeks went so much smoother just because we had that, you know, baseline of being girls and relating to each other in that way. So it really builds that foundation. That would be that near peer mentoring. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So Fatima, you participated <laughs> an awful lot of near peer mentoring um, in and around uh, the Past Foundation, the Innovation Lab, and so I do want to uh, to just sort of highlight a little bit. And and I don't know if when all of you um, you know were having the experiences realized how. Um, I don't want to say that you guys were set up, but you were set up, right? <laughs> I mean, that is the reality of it, right? So, you know, because we we would have you guys come in as, as freshmen, um, and you, you start um, working and living in that environment. You get involved in the team. You know, the team um, by design, because we're home-hosted here at the Past Innovation Lab, we engage you guys in almost everything we do here. We uh-huh. don't view those things as separate. And so through that, you volunteered at Maker you volunteered at a whole host of different pieces and things. And then, you know, you're participating in summer camp, maybe as a participant or maybe as a Metrobot team. And then, you know, the next thing it's like, oh, hey, let's design a design challenge to run at this thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I believe last summer, both, all three of you guys actually, not just participated and volunteered, but actually led summer STEM programs for elementary and middle school kids Mm -hmm. in some capacity. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was... Did you realize that was happening quite like that? Honestly, no. I... I, I we I got the opportunity to run a set like a camp and I was like ooh cool like I like I like I like mentoring and teaching kids because I like to see that like light bulb turn on they're like ooh I like this or like that aha moment of now I know how to do this and so I was like okay like this is cool I I always like to when my little sister needs help I'm always there to help and just I like to help and so when I got the opportunity to run a summer camp. I was like, yes, let's do it. But it took me like, three weeks to come up with what I would actually do for it. And I, at first I was like, oh, no, maybe this isn't the right way to teach it. And like, so trying to figure out how I learn and how others learn and how I could put that into a summer camp and make it fun and teach elementary kids. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it was, I, I didn't realize it until like really you kind of said it. And I'm like, wow, I did kind of like run that and like teach all those kids how to like code Arduino and things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. And the the opportunities that you get really from like past and the metro school and that whole like network, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's amazing because you don't realize what you're doing until someone kind of tells you and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just think about it. So, and and maybe this is a little bit weird, but Melissa, your brother comes back from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I and and so it, it's it's an intriguing thing. And I remember um actually the first time I think it was maybe um this this last fall. And I walked into the after school program, the Innovators Club, which you guys have all interacted with on so many different levels. Yeah. And there was a team of engineers in there from Ohio State University who had come in to do a program 
with those middle school kids, and I look up, and who do I see? My brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that's part of that journey, and the reality is we've had so many students who've participated um, either in the past programs, the mentor school, or any of the partner school programs that find their way back Mm -hmm. into that opportunity to teach others, and that's that is um, an incredibly rewarding thing to see because it says to me that you got passionate about what you know and that you're confident that you can then share that with others. Melissa and, and Liz, you also have participated in those near-peer mentoring opportunities through the camps and the programs. Um, um, any highlights or experiences that surprised you? I don't know if I'd say experiences that necessarily surprised me, but... I, you know, would reflect on how much robotics has changed my life and how much it's meant to me. And it's just been such an important part of my life. And now I want to share that with everybody I can. So I have to remind myself when I'm having a casual conversation in public and someone mentions they're a mom, like not to jump into like, hey, put your kids in robotics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, you know, that's just been such an important part of my life. And I want to share that with other people. So that bridges that gap of, you know, maybe being a little fearful that I wouldn't be able to do it well. And then you just you just start doing it. And it starts with a conversation. It starts with helping a kid put a shaft into a Lego wheel. And then next thing you know, you're talking them through how to code and you're talking them through how to testing. And it just snow snowballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it starts with wanting to share the great experiences that you've had with other people. And the next thing you know, you're leading a summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my experience has been kind of along the same lines as Liz. Like, I never had that, like, aha moment, but I realized the importance of, like, giving back and, like, sharing your experience with others. So I remember this was, like, a year ago or, like, two years ago. I would volunteer at mm-hmm. the Innovators Club uh-huh. for, and I, like, went every single day, like, until I'm five or... i that way. Dr. Corbin, I'm getting yeah. you. you, gotta watch out. you in. I know. I was, like, coming in every day after school until, like, five or six, mm-hmm. six o'clock for, like, like a month or two before robotics started and I was like wow like I'm mentoring these kids like I'm helping them and like this activity that they're doing and I was like that's when I realized wow like I this is it's a great feeling like helping kids and like like sharing the knowledge that like I kind of already went through with them at like a younger like age and it was just it was a very rewarding experience kind of like what you talk about like when you see people come back like that's what kind of like makes me passionate about like doing outreach like that and like Mm -hmm. wanting to come back after I leave Metro but like still staying involved with like robotics but also with the PASS Foundation Mm -hmm. whenever I can. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately that translates right so that translates into you're going off off into college, you're going off into the, the the adult version, the real world, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been living it um, for a very long time, and and it takes you um, into career. What if you could name the one thing that your experience thus far um, that you want to to carry with you? Think it's the most important piece for you to carry with you into that career. What would that be? That's a loaded question. It is a loaded yeah. question. Uh, it is a loaded question, and as always, I have an agenda. Okay. So play my game. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I can go first. Yes, okay. please. So I think, I, I think there's two parts of that. There's a no, youth part. No, I said and, for one. Come on, It's like a, a point five, so it's halves, make uh, one. Okay. That's the point of five. Go, girl. <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> so first there's the you side and then there's the other side of things. So for me, sometimes before I go into the shop and I know I have a stressful day, I literally stand outside the door, take a deep breath. I'm like, Liz, you got this. And then I open the door and I go for it. And I know that sounds cheesy, but you got to be secure in yourself before you can help others. And then comes that other part of you got to have each other's back. I distinctly remember, I think two years ago, maybe a few people on the leadership team, including myself, we were having some quabbles between the three of us with, you know, who was doing what. And one of our mentors sat us down and I was like, look, I don't care if you guys want to go like rip each other apart after this, but you are a leadership team and you need to present a unified, a unified front to the rest of the team. Right. So that's when I realized, you know what, I have a job here to kind of go beyond my personal interest and maybe I'm not never mad at Melissa but let's say if I'm mad at Melissa walking in together and looking like we're best friends because we need to keep the team moving so you got to be secure in yourself and then that way you can help the entire team go forth into whatever they need to do anybody else Um, I'm still thinking Question. I was admiring her response. <laughs> yeah. Just jump back in as we move through. So that as as we sort of think about then, you know, sort of what what those sort of parting shots. I like to end um, all the podcasts recognizing that you know our listeners, many of them are out there um, in the trenches in the world of teaching, learning, and work, um, doing really amazing, wonderful things, but. They're also contemplating what's the next thing I could or should be doing. And, and there's going to be a tough road uh, to get there. It's never, never easy. So as we think about helping those folks down that journey, right? If you could, you could tell a teacher uh, that you don't know somewhere out there in the world, if you only do one thing differently, but 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 the reality of it is right what what would you what would what would that thing be and and i'll lead for you okay okay i'll lead for you right because um and some of our listeners you know know my backstory my journey but i came out of applied research science field and um you know the thing that i have seen over and over again and it has created the foundation of why i do what i do and certainly why past does uh, what past does and the way that we sort of think about crafting our sort of role in in all of this has been that there's so much value in believing in the people mm-hmm. who walk through my door before i know anything about them that they are infinitely capable of anything i hand to them it may be up to me to help backfill the gaps or the skills or the knowledge or to help lead, share, and mentor along the way. But the foundational piece is that I, I don't have a moment doubt that, that you, Fatima, or you, Melissa, or you, Liz, or you, total stranger who walks through, mm-hmm. is capable. Uh, I think that's really important. Yeah. 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 The idea of having someone who believes in you and supports you and even like that simple like after you finish something and you're stressed or even that like simple homework that you did and your teacher gives you a a good job or a like a thank you for whatever you helped with that really like for me I'm like oh wow like I helped with something or Mm -hmm. I did something good and that like fuels you to want to do more and like you might think that it was a simple like good job but for a student that might be the only motivation they mm-hmm, get from mm-hmm. anyone 
maybe like I don't know family life is hard for them and so school is where they're they grow and so having those teachers that can tell you that you did a good job or really anything and help you with things when that you can go to because if if I didn't have a family that I could go to I have a family at robotics and I have a family at school but if I didn't have that school family that because I never was able to connect with any of them I wouldn't have anyone to go to Mm -hmm. if I didn't have family or school and so I think just having that the teacher you don't have to be amazing and inspirational and like you can go to the moon (laughs) but that like good job and that like that this it's so simple but it really can change someone's day and really their outlook for Mm -hmm. the future I think you as a teacher creating a space where mistakes are not only okay, they're encouraged. I know you hear this all the time, but I was reading an article um, a while ago about a teacher who was teaching girls to code and a girl would raise her hand, say she had an issue and she'd come and look at her screen and the girl would have nothing on her screen. And then the teacher one day realized like command Z backspace and what came up on the screen was all of the times the girl tried something out and it didn't work, but she didn't want to present all those failed efforts to the teacher. So she'd just leave a screen blank and say, I'm struggling. And I do that all of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so guilty of that. So, you know, creating a space where it is okay to say, hey, I got like three parts of this equation, don't understand the other four, but this is my my best go at it. And really encouraging them to be able to do that time and time again. Safe space to make mistakes. <laughs> That's what you need. <laughs> Perfect. Safe space to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I was thinking, so with robotics and mentors, but also at Metro schools, how you have your advisor goes back to the same idea of having that one person that like is always there, like kind of like your personal cheerleader in Mm -hmm. a way Mm -hmm. that's always like cheering you on or always there for you, like whenever you have an issue. So at Metro or at least before I like was comfortable with the mentors at robotics before I knew them, Mm -hmm. it was always my advisor. I was like, I'm struggling in this class. Like, how do I do better? Or like, I don't know what to do for this project because I was also new to like the Metro ways of mm-hmm. doing things so I would go to my advisor my freshman year and then I started going to my mentors at robotics and it's always like that person even if it changes that you go to for advice or like to just help you help encourage you and give you that extra shove that you need to go on and keep doing things yeah, yeah. one last thing so um, <laughs> we like as you guys have heard we're on the robotics team and Dr. Corbin her office is at the other side of the building and it seems at first, one time I just like walked from the robotic shop across the building and just like walked into her office, was like, hey, Dr. Corbin. And it felt kind of strange because in a normal school environment, you can't just like walk into the principal's office and be like, <laughs> need help with this. But I can just walk into your guys' office space and bring something up to you guys and you're just welcoming and there. And once again, it's being available without that formality mm-hmm. of, you know, like close the doors. Yeah. Best part of my day is when you guys show up, (laughs) right? I mean, you know, if I have a bad day, I tell people this all the time, you know, as I'm I'm wandering around the plant talking about this. If I'm having a bad day, I'm going to go sit in the atrium at the Innovation (laughs) Lab, right, and just watch you guys. We get excited when you come out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, okay. We'll talk about that another time. But... It's just the joy of watching, guys. And I guess, you know, um, in in closing for me um, um, and for the the show today, um, you know, part of what I talk about, and I do 
talk about you guys all over the world. I talk about you guys all the time, and the the staff will tell you that that's a very very much true. And hopefully, the, it's the, good stuff. It's yeah. all good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing that I tell the world when when I'm asked about why do this, um, why should more do this, why do I think that this is really possible, part of what I say is that. You know, when I step back and watch and I think about um, sort of really what's capable, you know, and I reflect on the fact that the reality of it is I would put you guys up against any R&D team in the world. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I thank truly you. would. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and my reason for that is because you are fearless. There's nothing you won't try. And I use the the you in this case and the big giant you is, is all the students that we see consistently that go through programs, whether it be this one or programs in other parts of the world that are very similar, that carry a lot of the same characteristics that we have been talking about today. There is a sense of fearlessness of the students. It's that confidence, that collaboration. It's all those soft skills you didn't know that were out there um, that come to play. And at the end of the day, it means you were an amazing collaborative group of people. Um, and quite frankly, I'm awed by that. We are turning the world over to you and you're going to be amazing we so. have you to thank for that yeah, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> thank amazing. you okay. for being here thank today thank you very much for having us this is fun yeah we were very excited we'll do it again <laughs> <laughs>